Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. This is episode 99 of the Cold Brew Podcast. We are rapidly closing in on 100 episodes. That's going to be coming up next week, and we are excited for that. It is going to be a fun time, a blowout special. As you know, I am Dave Gasper, joined, as always, by Matt Carroll. We're the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com, and we are busy, busy, busy. It is trade deadline season. It is draft uh, signing bonus deadline season. It is everything all at once. I am running on two hours of sleep and three <laughs> pots of coffee, and we are ready to go. Are you ready, Matt? Are I'm ready? ready. I'm ready. This are, are you are you running on good sleep or no? I'm running on whiskey and coke, but uh, there we go. Wait a minute. What kind of coke? What kind of coke? Uh, diet coke. Oh. <laughs> Whiskey, I didn't know if it was if it was like Coca Cola oh. or if it was cocaine. <laughs> no, not that like that's it's like wait a minute, like like, like whiskey and Coke. Wait wait a minute, well, you know, because you know if I, if we're running on zero hours of sleep, it might be cocaine. This is this you is, never know. This is a good point. Um, no, I, I'd be typing in, uh, articles at about three hundred words a minute if that were the case. But uh, no no no, <laughs> regular regular. All right. For any DEA agents listening out there, there are no illegal drugs being consumed on this nope. podcast. Only, oh, we're, on, I'm only endorsing legally obtained uh, uh, things. Diet right? Coca-Cola. Yes. And yes. Whiskey, which is legal. And not the, uh, the 1908 version of Coca-Cola where they had actual cocaine. Correct. No, not that. Uh, those were the days, weren't they? I don't know. I wasn't. You, I, you wouldn't know. You were yeah. even a twinkle in your parents' eye at that point. My so parents I, weren't even a twinkle in their parents' eye at that point. That's no, true. Luckily, I was also not from the 70s, so I'm not that old. Yeah. Close, but not quite. All and, right. Well, we're here to talk some baseball, aren't we? <laughs> yes. Not Coke of any Not point. Coke. No. This is a, uh, this, this is a baseball podcast. So. It is. Uh, it is. It is trade deadline season. Uh, as as everybody knows, the first big domino has fallen. Andrew Benatendi, but he has been traded to the Yankees, not the Brewers. Uh, he was someone that the Brewers were in on, uh, according to Ken Rosenthal. The Brewers were interested. They were in. His, they were involved in his market, uh, but the price just wasn't something that the Brewers either were willing to pay or were able to pay. Uh, the Yankees traded three. Pitching prospects. The Brewers, Matt, are pretty thin on pitching prospects in general. They've been going bat heavy in the draft the last couple of years. Uh, more on the draft in a little bit, but uh, with you know the focus on bats, there aren't too many high-level pitching prospects in the organization. So Kansas City Royals are looking pitching. Brewers may not have the depth down in the minor leagues to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at you know. Attractive pitching prospects, guys with future potential that the Brewers have. You're you're really looking at Ethan Small and Antoine Kelly. Um, those are your two main pitching kind of trade chips that you have there. There are other guys on the top 30. Um, I believe Phylon Bettinger is still on there. I don't think they've updated it yet where they have fallen yeah. off. Um, Taylor Floyd's on there. He's been injured for a lot of the year. Another Might be another player or two. Um, on the, if you're talking top 30. Well, those guys are relievers, essentially. Exactly. I mean, right. Floyd's a exactly. reliever already. File and Bettinger are probably relievers yeah. at the big league level. 
Cam Robinson's on there. He's also a reliever. Yes. Your only right-handed starter prospect on the top 30 is Victor Castaneda, I believe. Right. right. Yeah. And, and Cam Robinson could be a sneaky, uh, desirable candidate for some people, but uh, you're right. Like, not not starter quality ones. And there's even, let's be honest, there's even questions with Antoine Kelly as to whether his future is as a starter or a reliever. So if the Royals were looking for starters in return, um, the Brewers maybe didn't have the capital quite to get there. Um, if you're looking at it just from a, you know, just general prospect level, um, the ones that the Yankees gave up were numbers 19, 21, and then the other guy wasn't ranked in the top 30 in their system. Yankees generally regarded to have a little bit better of a, a system than the Brewers. So 19 and 21 in the Yankees system, what does that maybe equate to in terms of talent level in the Brewers system? You know, does that end up the Brewers uh, end up having to take a little bit more of a hit? So maybe maybe the they were in the mix, but maybe the price also was a little too rich for their blood. Who knows? You know, a combination of both of those factors, I'm sure, is kind of what uh, led the Royals to pick the Yankees over the Brewers um, and other teams uh, as well when it came to the final decision. As Drew Carey would say, the price was not right. Yes. So, yeah, it, he ends up moving on. And, uh, you know, especially for a rental bat like Ben Attendee. I mean, I, li- I like Ben Attendee. Uh, he hits for a pretty high average, doesn't strike out much. Um, doesn't have too much power, though. But, you know, I, I think, like, he'd be a solid addition. But, you know, I, I think the Brewers could definitely use a bit more of a thumper uh, mm-hmm. in their lineup. And Ben Attendee's not really that kind of a guy, although I do like him. Um, But yeah, there are some thumpers out there, not too many, but uh, the one I am looking at and that I would really love, and I know the Brewers are after, and it's been reported about uh, the Brewers being in hot pursuit of him. And uh, we have that obviously up on reviewing the brew.com for you to check out. Josh Bell is available on the trade market and his market is hot. Hot, hot, hot. There are a lot of teams in there. The Brewers are one of them in the mix. Uh, they are reportedly one of the you know teams like really heavily involved, along with the Houston Astros, who really want uh, Josh Bell. Uh, but there are a couple of other teams involved in his sweepstakes. And, Matt, I cannot express to you how much I would love to have Josh Bell in this Brewers lineup. He is, he is everything the Brewers really need. With this offense, he hits for a high average. He's hitting over 300 on the season. As a corner infielder, you don't see that very often, uh, especially as a first baseman. He hits for power. You do see that a bit more often. He's got 13 homers on the season. He walks nearly as much as he strikes out. He's got he's walking at an 11% clip, and he strikes out at just a 13% clip. Josh Bell does not strike out. He makes contact. He puts the ball in play. And what have been our biggest complaints about the Brewers' offense, Matt? They strike out too much and don't put the ball in play. Yep. So, like, he's perfect. High average, hits for power, doesn't strike out, draws his walks, put him in the 4-5 or spot in that lineup, boom, you're good. Put put him ahead or behind Renfro, put put him behind Telez or something, or or ahead of Telez, or they, they can switch off. I don't care. You put him in the middle of that lineup, and this offense becomes much more consistent and much better. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
the, about the, I mean, it, it, the only thing I guess you can compl- maybe complain about is that just the fit with him being at first base in DH. You've not, you're now kind of trying to fit him in to a rotation with Rowdy and a rotation with Andrew McCutcheon at DH. But you know, the if if any team can figure out a situation like that, it is the Brewers. They do that every trade deadline. Bring guys in because they know they will help the team and kind of figure out the fit later. So it, that really shouldn't even be uh, much of a worry for anyone uh, who who's thinking about what will happen if the Brewers pick up Josh Bell. Um, I, I know the, the, about the only other concern I had heard, and I'll throw a, a hat tip to um, Sparky from uh, 12.50 AM, the fan in Milwaukee. Um, he had pointed out that he has – little bit of a roller coaster when it comes to his monthly splits. Um, his April and June were super, super hot. Um, his May and July numbers were a little bit down. But even when you look at those numbers, you're looking in May, you've got a 252 batting average with a 644 OPS. Okay, the OPS is a little bit low. In July, he's hitting 247, but with a 772 OPS. Compare those to Brewers batters when they've been in cold, uh, cold spells. That's still better. Like, oh, yeah. It's still good. Um, he can still hold, kind of hold a team afloat like the Brewers, even with those numbers. And when he's hot, I mean, geez, his numbers for the month of June, he hit 358. He got on base 45% of the time. He had an OPS of uh, 1142. Like, that, oh, my, when he gets going, he is very, very good. And out, really, outside of... Uh, a down 2020 season, all his offensive years are at the very least average for the most part. And in fact, if you look at his OPS plus, um, the lowest he's had outside of that 2020 season is uh, 108, his rookie year. Uh, That's above average. All of his seasons, six of his seven seasons have been above average in the OPS plus category. So um, he's definitely a guy you want on your team. I would, I would a hundred percent take him. I know he's going to be pricey, though. That would be the only question with him. He, he's kind of in that next tier. He's obviously not uh, Juan Soto level of <laughs> priciness, um, but he's kind of in that next group a little bit. He's going to command some guys. Yeah, that's, you know, that's I mean, we talked about Juan Soto a bit last week and just kind of the absurdity of the package it's going to take to land him. Um, and I, I don't think the Brewers have enough for him. But Juan's, or Josh Bell, it's a little bit different because he is a rental. He's a free agent at the end of the season. So, you know, even though like, like he's probably the top rental on the market, the, the top rental bat on the trade block this year is going to be Josh Bell. Um, just, just with the way he's performing this year, everyone's going to be like, like that's a guy that everyone would love to have on their roster. Um, so it is, it is going to be pricey for a rental. Um, but the Brewers do have some depth in their farm system. They do have some quality prospects. Whether they're willing to deal from the from that depth um, to to get a guy like Bell remains to be seen. Um, but they could certainly use an upgrade in in the lineup. They could use a thumper like him, someone who can hit for a high average and, and do all the things that he does that, that we've been talking about. And you know, I, I think that's definitely a difference maker. In this lineup, you know, it, it may mean a little bit less playing time for Rowdy Telez, who's hitting 230 on the season, I think. Um, you know, he like Telez, you know, has, you know, the power numbers and he had the two three run homers the other day. Um, 
but it may mean a little bit less time for Telez or a little bit less time for McCutcheon at DH. But with what he brings, you know, it's it's better than than what Telez has performed with all season. And I love Rowdy Telez. Everyone in Milwaukee loves Rowdy Telez. He is he is the he and Daniel Holgeback were the quintessential quintessential Milwaukee first baseman. Like that, like how could you not love those guys? You do, but I also love a guy that can hit 300 mm-hmm. uh, with a super high OPS and doesn't strike out much, you know? So that's, that's my top targets heading into this trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you look at the splits for Josh Bell too. It, they're, they're good both ways. Like he's quote unquote worse against lefties. He's still hitting 278. He's still got an OPS of 829 against lefties. Um, so you can play him in literally any situation. Meanwhile, you've got uh, McCutcheon, who's better against left-handers, and Telez, who's better against right-handers. So that's your DH and primary DH and your primary first baseman. So you could rotate Bell between those two positions, really, and at any given time have two of your strongest guys splits-wise out there on the field. So it would work. Telez is still going to get his work. Don't worry about it. Like it happens. You looked at last year, you know, uh, you know, I've I've mentioned in the past about how, you know, having Kane and Avi and Yelich in uh, the outfield, Tyrone Taylor was still able to play, you know, not too far off of 100 games. Granted, Kane spent some time on the IL, but he still saw his playing time like you need to rotate guys in and out and the best guys will find their way into the lineup one way or another. So it'll work. There's a fit for those who love Telez. You'll still get to see Telez should a deal like this happen. Um, but it is, it would be if the brewers can make it work and it is not something that would hemorrhage the farm system, which, you know, like you said, being a rental, even as talented as he is, it shouldn't impact the farm system too much. Hopefully um, it's, 100% worth making that deal. I would, I, I would, I sign whatever we got to sign. Bring him in. Call it in. Make yeah. the deal. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be pricey for a rental, but not anything that would really, it's it still, it, it wouldn't impact the guys like Jackson Churio or Joey Weimer or Sal Freelich or Garrett Mitchell uh, or any of those guys. It's not going to cost them. I don't think it would cost Mario Feliciano either, Matt. I, I think he would stay in that deal, but um, yeah, <laughs> I, I know that, that that's the big concern here. Yeah, but well, and, the, and they've got uh, Ruiz, right? That they got right. Yeah, LA, so they don't really so need a catcher. They so. need a catcher anyway. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not I, was, I was mostly just just jabbing at you because oh, no, like we don't want because Feliciano's the the top prospect in your mind. Oh, he's probably behind Churio for you now, though. Well, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little behind Churio. Uh, so far, as of this recording, Jackson Churio is 5 for 10 in high A. He's hitting 500 in high A, Matt. He's 18 Jeez. years old. When I was 18 years old, I actually hit 500 my senior year of high school. But <laughs> two at-bats. So... How much does it really count? In my mind, it still counts, but <laughs> that's just yeah. me. No, I was uh, a pitcher, so I didn't need to. Uh, I didn't need to hit. But uh, you know, I think one of the reasons why I sucked at hitting 
Um, I have an astigmatism in, I forget which yeah. one of my eyes it is. Uh, but so like my eyesight, like, isn't great. Like I got contacts. My prescription is like negative five, negative six. Like it is, Ooh, it is bad. Jeez. Yeah. No, m- my eyes are, are terrible. If it weren't for modern optometry, uh, I natural selection would have killed me years ago. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's bad. Um, like it, like I have to be very close to be able to read something, you know? So, you know, perhaps my vision problems were why I failed as a hitter and not my poor mechanics or, uh, various other reasons, uh, why I may have failed as a hitter, but you know, I, as tough as it was to hit in high school, uh, with, you know, not perfect vision. It's got to be much tougher when you're facing 90-something mile an hour velocity uh, and crazy spl- sliders and s- curveballs and change-ups and things like that and trying to pick up the ball. And that's exactly what Joe Gray Jr. Mm-hmm. was trying to do in high A Wisconsin this year. Uh, his numbers this season have been awful. He's striking out at a ridiculous clip. Uh, and it turns out he's gotten astigmatism in, I believe, his right eye, left eye, right eye. It's like the scene in Bull Durham. Can't, he's having trouble breathing out of his left eyelid, left eyelid, right eyelid, right, right eyelid. But he couldn't really see all that well, couldn't see the ball. And it's very difficult to hit the ball if you if you can't see it. You know, there's the old there's the old saying, the old hitting philosophy, see ball, hit ball. Well, if you can't do the first part, and you can't see the ball, it's pretty hard to hit it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of uh, uh, kind of amazing that he was able to do as well as he did uh, despite that. And, like, astigmatisms can pop up at any point in your life. Like, I, I, I've had, I'm the same. I, you know, I've worn contacts, old glasses since I was in sixth grade and contacts uh, since I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and, and you know, they're, my prescriptions like negative three and a half or something like that. It's not as bad as yours, but still pretty darn bad. Um, but I didn't develop an astigmatism, I think until I was in my late thirties in one eye. So, you know, I went a long time, uh, with just general crappy eyesight before that happened. So it's entirely possible that, you know, he had his great year last year, goes and gets his LASIK and, you know, at some point in between all of that, he ends up uh, developing an astigmatism. So um glad they were able to catch that uh, and get it sorted out because, you know, you probably figure once you've got your LASIK, I'm good. I don't need to, you know, why would I need to go get my eyes checked? Um, so glad that they did it and found it and, you know, are now fixing it. Now now he's hot. He's on a, uh, I believe it was seven-game hitting streak going into today. Um, I haven't seen what he has done yet today we can check that up in the moment game day is pulling up we're stalling for time as we're just kind of you know talking here and box score joe gray jr well he's over two tonight but he does have a walk okay um and jackson churio did score a run as well by the way oh let's go so we got that um yes so uh before today and there's still time tonight game's not over um, going into today, he had a seven-game hitting streak, I believe it was. So um, clearly the results are paying off now. So we'll see kind of how that happens. But it, it was a really cool story that he kind of had 
um, finally bust out and was starting to climb up the prospect rankings. He was just he, he was an OPS machine at Carolina early last season. Like that's why the Carolina Mudcats uh, Twitter account renamed themselves the Carolina Joe Gray Juniors at one yes. point because that's literally all anyone was talking about. Much to, in the same way as Churio, to be honest. Um, yeah. Well, then they became the Carolina the Joey Weemers. Because uh, then after then after Joe Gray goes up, then Joey Weimer takes off. Yeah. And then Joey Weimer gets promoted after that. And then they have Jackson Churio. And I don't yeah. think they changed themselves to the Carolina Jackson Churios this year. But and now they can't. that's essentially what they were. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, the, so. the Carolina Jackson Churios and Hedbert Perez's. And, and there we go. Yes, sure. um but yeah so hopefully this kind of leads to bigger and better things for great junior because he's just he's a he's a cool personality really nice guy a lot of the um preseason interviews that they did with him were all very insightful um you want to root for that guy so um i'll be happy if this ends up uh kind of turning the season around Yes, and could it turn around his his trade value, perhaps? Oh, as absolutely. as we're obviously talking here about the trade deadline, he is a prospect, and um, he's someone that could potentially be traded at the trade deadline in order to acquire big league pieces. Um, and there are a couple of you know other spots that, that the Brewers could look that perhaps could cost a guy like uh, Joe Gray Jr. and some others. Uh, one of them is Ramon Laureano, mm-hmm. who the Brewers are reportedly, according to uh, Fansided's own Robert Murray in his latest notes column, uh, that could be a fit for the Brewers that they could be looking at. Ramon Laureano got a bunch more years of team control. Center fielder, cannon for an arm, uh, would have one of the greatest outfield throwing arm duos with Laureano and Hunter Renfro, combined with one of the Worst throwing arms in Christian Yelich, but that's besides the point. Uh, you get Loriano in there, uh, especially with all of his team control and you know what he can provide uh, offensively, which is a lot more than what Jonathan Davis and Tyrone Taylor are producing right now. That could be another big upgrade for the Spurs offense. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Loriano is probably at the top of my wish list, uh, to be honest. Um he because of those couple of years of control that he has left, you know, he's another one who might cost a little bit more, but not so much that it would break the bank. I don't feel like um, he's not making a ton of money. Um, he's having a little bit of a down season this year compared to his previous years, but he's still got an OPS that's just floating a little bit over 700. So it's not like it's god awful by any means. Um, but, yeah, you've got that throwing arm in center field, and you know, if, if the Brewers address the center field position at the trade deadline, it will have to be with someone who is above average defensively. They will not settle for anything less uh, mm-hmm. than that at that position. Even the fill-ins, Tyrone Taylor and Jonathan Davis, are above average defensive center fielders. Um, Especially Jonathan Davis. He has been making right. some plays out there. He had two the other day. That That last one that he had where he sprinted and caught the one by his shoelaces – he yeah. was in, set up insanely deep at the beginning of that and then was waving off Willie and Thomas by the time he got to the ball. He had run so far in. Uh, so he's been impressive to watch there. Um, he just obviously has not, you know, the center field position for the Brewers this season um, is going into today was 26th 
in OPS and 24th in average. And that's just that's bad. That, that's out of 30. By yeah, the way, that's, that's that's not good. You are correct, sir. Yeah. Um, Jonathan so, Davis really just kind of seems like a younger, cheaper version of Lorenzo Cain with, with what he's providing defensive. I mean, no, like I'm not trying to say this kid's, you know, Lorenzo Cain defensively. I mean, he's providing Lorenzo Cain, um, you know, defensive value. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's providing value like Cain did. Um, obviously, I mean, comparing him to Kane is is a, a hell of a comparison. But I mean, just with what he was doing this season, I mean, just kind of making the plays, um, it, it's something that's kind of reminiscent of Lorenzo Kane. Yeah, absolutely. And I will I will admit his uh, offense has gotten a little bit better as things have gone on. Um, he, he's got his batting average up to 242 now, at least. Um, so it's not he he was bo- below the Mendoza line for a bit. Um, but an OPS at 6.23, his on-base percentage is actually pretty nice. Uh, he's uh, 3.65, um, so that's really not shabby at all. But 2.58 slugging, you just you just want more than that. And bringing in a guy like Loriano, you're going to get that. He's a he is an absolute center fielder. He's got an arm that reminds you like his highlights are similar to like Yasiel Puig highlights, where you see just absolute can or Hunter Enfro highlights. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. where you see, Cespedes back in the day, man, that is just one of the saddest cases that I I've seen from a guy who was exciting to watch of someone who just let uh, what could have been had injuries, take him yeah. out, but, uh, fell off a horse. That, he did among don't, other things. Don't ride horses. If you're a multimillion dollar baseball player, yeah, just broke a, just like, food for thought. Broke a diamond necklace diving into second base or something like that. Broke like, both of his heels. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's the worst part. So that anyway, hurts. Off the rails. Um, Ramon Laureano, though. Um, it, it, another reason I like a signing like that, he's got two years of team control. Um, and you've got these guys like Sal Freelich and Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer sitting there at the double-A level. You know, potentially over the next year or two, threatening to come up and be ready for the big leagues. So with a guy like Loriano, you're not necessarily committed super long term. If you bring him in, you've got him for two years. Um, but then right around the time he's coming up um, at the end of his arbitration years there, your next wave is about ready to go. So um, there's a whole lot of reasons that Loriano makes sense. And so that would be the guy that I would love to see. Yeah, if they can get, especially if they can get both, if they can get both Bell and Loriano, yeah. I would be quite pleased. Uh, with this done. offensive group. Yep, I'd be good. If that was all we did, I'd be good. You know what else would be good? Juan Soto. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes. My hopes are not high for the Juan Soto uh, sweepstakes. My my only hope is that he goes to anyone but the Cardinals there or is. the Dodgers. Just you know, not uh, – like more so the Cardinals because the the pain of seeing him – in a Cardinals uniform, however many times a year, always just being the hitter that he is, and of course on the Cardinals, and probably getting him for cheap because it wouldn't ruin their farm system because the Cardinals always some to see, seem to somehow get away with it. They all, they always do, and just seeing him take them potentially to the promised land while we just kind of sit there because we didn't have the ability to to pay him or or get the prospects for him or somehow drug up Mike Rizzo enough to get him to give him to us for nothing. 
Yeah. Like, that's that was just Double hurt. magic. That's how they yeah. do it. But it, the more I think about it, I just... I mean, if you have a chance to get Juan Soto, you get Juan Soto. I get yes. it. But if they were to do that, that's got to be their only move. Like, I, I get they have a good farm system, and they always they have need a pitchers. farm system. But that and that's exactly what I was going to get to. If you make if you make the move for Juan Soto, that is the only thing you are doing at the trade deadline. And they do not fix the very severe problem that they're having right now, which is they're starting pitching. They just keep dropping like flies. And so you bring him in, you have no assets left to go get starting pitchers, and you you, you just have to hope you're going to outslug other teams the entire rest of the way. Which I guess if you have Arenado and Goldschmidt and Soto, you've got a chance of doing that, but it's not going to happen every day, especially if you run into a team with some hot pitching. So I just, I guess maybe that gives me a little comfort that it might not happen because they might come to their senses and realize that that's the case. What I'm really hoping with the Cardinals is that we don't see them end up pulling in like, you know, a Zach Plesac, uh, as well as a Tariq Skubal, and, you know, some other big name starter or something like that. That's what I worry is going to happen, is you're going to see pitcher, pitcher, pitcher end up on St. Louis, and then all of a sudden they're a force to be reckoned with. Um, yeah, that's that's my bigger worry. But I still don't want Soto to go there. Don't get me wrong. No. I would, yeah. oh, I, no, no, no. just no. That's that would I'm be saying. a thing of nightmares. Quite. Um, like, I'd just be like, I, I give up. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, like the Cardinals getting Paul Goldschmidt for essentially nothing, Nolan Arenado for essentially nothing, and Juan Soto, maybe not for essentially nothing, but they get Juan Soto. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I, I can't. I can't. It's like, oh, yay, we finally get to get rid of the annoying Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright and Albert Pujols. They finally get to retire right off into the sunset, and then you get these three guys. Yeah. To just kind of come up and take their spots. Like, you've got to be kidding me. But hopefully that doesn't happen. And by the time we talk again next week, we can confirm that that is not what is indeed going on. Exactly. But we shall see. But. All right. So if they don't get our top guys and Josh Bell and Ramon Laureano, who are some of the backup options that they could look for. And Matt, you had one piece go up on the site here uh, about a backup option, potentially for Loriano, and that's Michael A. Taylor. Um, he's someone who could be had for a lot cheaper than Loriano, but still could provide big production. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he he uh, plays center field for the Royals right now, who, as we know, they're selling. So uh, he's very likely available. Um, he is under contract through next year at uh, just $4.5 million, so not terribly expensive. And he's had a really good season uh, this year. Uh, his um, OPS is uh, up over 700. He He's kind of in that same little mix, like I said, as Laureano. Also very good defensively. He was a gold glover for the first time in his career last season. Um, he is three years older than Laureano, so... Um, you know, he's a little deeper into his career, but that means that you might be able to get him for a little bit cheaper, too. Although that may be offset by the fact that he's not exactly a rental, having one year left um, of service. But that also kind of puts him in the same category as Loriano, where he could be a bridge next year to some of those younger guys. 
Um, the concern I would have about him is his offensive history past this year isn't super great. He's had one or two decent years in there, here and there, um, but not nearly as consistent offensively as Loriano has been. So would he be potentially a candidate for regression either within the same year or next year? If you bring him in, that would be the one thing that I would potentially be concerned about. But you know the Brewers front office would look into all of that, all the analytics of him over the years, and uh, be able to kind of get a feeling as to whether that could be a possibility. But um, if you're looking for someone who's Loriano-esque but comes at a potentially lower price, that's not a bad option. It's, it's Loriano light. Loriano light. Yeah. yeah. So, that, I mean, that's... Yeah, it, it seems like a, a, a backup option for sure. I think plan A would definitely be Loriano. Yes. Just just with him. But, you know, plan B, you could do worse than, than Michael A. Taylor, uh, especially with the way he's performing this year. Maybe maybe it's like a legit, you know, later career breakout, um, you know, finally mm-hmm. kind of getting a chance to, to thrive and succeed in a regular role. Um, so that could be a fit as well. And, and a backup potentially to Josh Bell. Um, there, there's a couple of first basemen that maybe could be had out on the market. Trey Mancini is one from Baltimore. Uh, he's a he's a rental as well. But Baltimore is kind of in it, mm-hmm. sort of. They could they could not sell. I don't know if they're going to buy or how aggressive they would buy it. But they're not too far away from a, a wild card spot. Um, they might try to keep him around. They love Trey Mancini in Baltimore. Right. I mean, he is he is Baltimore royalty out there, essentially. Um, so that would be another tough one to pry away. And then also Christian Walker could be out there on the market. And we just kind of had him go up on the side as well in our uh, affordable trade targets uh, article um, that uh, Joey did a fantastic job on uh, mm-hmm. on the site. Shout out, Joey. Um, Shout out to Joey. And, I mean, Christian Walker, his his numbers are, are far different than Josh Bell. His batting average is pretty much 100 points lower. Um, but he does hit for power. He has been a historically produ- pretty productive bat. Uh, can play first base. Can can provide some thump in the middle of the lineup. Uh, Matt, what do you think about Christian Walker as a backup option to Bell? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I, I find that almost to be similar to the, you know, Taylor Loriano comparison where with Walker, you know, Walker is having a, a solid season, is nowhere near Josh Bell's season, don't get me wrong. Um, uh, but he has been slugging decently, is you know, slugging 450 this season, um, which matches up with kind of a couple of his better seasons in 2019 and 2020. Um, so he's like you said, he's got some pop too. He's got uh, 23 this year already. He has a 29 home run season under his belt. Um, I wouldn't mind that as a backup option. Would much, much prefer uh, Josh Bell, obviously. But um, Trey Mancini I would actually like even more so than Christian Walker. But like you said, um, the the Orioles are only three games out of a wild card spot currently. So um, they could very easily decide that um, – they are still contenders. And honestly, ever since they brought up their number one prospect in Adley Rushman, um, they've looked even better than they looked at the beginning of the season. We got to see it firsthand. They've got some quality guys on that team, and that was before Adley got called up. Um, and Mancini, 
even if they decide to be sellers, you know, he's been such a great story in Baltimore that he, you know, came back from cancer and um, has come back to look really phenomenal this year. That's a tough guy to trade away. Um, I think everyone is aware that this is a business and it could potentially happen either way. But it's there's between that question, between whether they're actually sellers in the first place, um, he'll be a hard one for teams to kind of pry away. Um, but I think they're two decent options. I If Mancini was gettable and they got him, I, you would get no complaints from me, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he'd be a, a tremendous addition. And I'm sure he'd be loved by, you know, Brewers fans immediately and, and welcomed with open arms. But, yeah, with, with what he's built up in, in Baltimore, and especially with them now essentially opening that competitive window, trading him away is going to be a tough sell to the fan base. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to tell fans, yeah, we're finally, you know, getting here. Fan favorite kicked out the door. Yeah, like, not with him, though. Yeah, that's – I mean, their odds of extending him are pretty small. Um, he may or may not leave in free agency, but free agency is one thing, not being able to sign him. Trading him away, uh, that, that just sends a, a far worse message, uh, in my opinion. But yeah, we'll see. The, the chaos of the deadline has barely even begun to kick off. Um, so there are going to be a bunch more options. Uh, for the Bruce to consider. And another under-the-radar one that I'd really kind of like, you know, just, just kind of one more here I want to talk about, Brandon Drury. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been having a phenomenal season, uh, putting up some pretty big-time numbers with some regular playing time in Cincinnati, correct? Yep. Yep. So yeah. he's he could kind of play, like, all over the infield, could play some third base, maybe some first base, uh, but could provide some power and consistency in the middle of that lineup, if the Brewers were able to pry him away from a division rival, with, which may be tough, but Drury, I believe, is a rental as well, uh, which may make it easier for the Reds to part with them. And the Brewers have kind of had a bit of a better relationship with the Reds in the past and making some trades. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does appear as though he's a rental. Um, he was only signed to 700 grand this year. Um, by the Reds, so that is very minimal money you're taking off, you know, prorated for the or taking on, uh, prorated for the season. So that part of it, yep, should be cheap, um, should be very gettable. Uh, and yeah, the fact that he can, you know, he's had one of his better offensive seasons this year. Um, he's got an OPS uh, approaching 850, so um, love it. Very doing very well in the slugging department, slugging over 500 actually. Um, can play second place, third place. He plays a little bit of outfield, so you can kind of throw him. He He's almost really your right-handed Jace Peterson a little bit uh, oh in terms of the positions he plays. I feel like just slightly different. Actually, he's actually got a very similar profile to Mike Brasso, now that I think about it. Closer to a right-handed Mike Brasso, which Mike Brasso is right-handed. So, um, so you, get, you would possibly get another one of those utility guys who can kind of fill in everywhere and step in for anyone who's kind of slumping a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, some moves have been made between those two teams in the past. One of the very few kind of interdivision ones that don't seem to be, Oh, it's an exception. And because of this exception, you're going to have to pay out the nose to get this guy from us. Um, I could see it happening and I would like it uh, for sure. But it's, of course it's always, you know, as a fan, it's always tough seeing some of these prospects that 
you know, you've been excited to potentially see on your team at some point going to someone else. So um, that yeah. was a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. And I mean, the, I feel like the interdivision stuff, like it's definitely much tougher to try to do a trade with the Chicago Cubs or the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, the, right. the Brewers and Cardinals have not matched up on many trades. The Brewers and Cubs have not matched up on many trades. Um, and I mean, the, the Cubs are now clear sellers because they suck now. Um, Ian Happ and Patrick Wisdom are two of their big trade chips, along with Wilson Contreras, who should be gone. But he's not coming here. And I don't think he'd be welcomed here uh, either. <laughs> but yeah. Ian Happ and, and Patrick Wisdom are two guys that could fit the Brewers pretty well. But would the Cubs ever trade them here? Would, would the Cubs ever trade Ian Happ to the Milwaukee Brewers or Patrick Wisdom to the Milwaukee Brewers? I don't think so. I, I think that price would just be they would intentionally make it ridiculous that they know the Brewers would never pay. And mm-hmm. it it's just not going to happen. As much as they may be a good fit on paper, I don't see it happening. Oh, yeah. Both of those would be great fits on paper. Ian Happ would slot right in the center field. Uh, Patrick Wisdom, uh, you've got a more classic third base type who could potentially play there, and you would rotate Urias basically wherever you ended up needing him. Um, And maybe because of the fact that they fit so well and the Cubs would know that, um, they would drive that price up even higher. Um, I'd be uh, interested to even see for a couple of the relievers that they possibly have available, David Robertson and uh, Michael Givens, what the Cubs might make the Brewers even pay for those guys, um, because those should be slightly more gettable than players like Wisdom or Hap, but I guarantee you the Cubs would uh, charge Milwaukee way more than they're worth. So, yeah, yeah. I just want to not even think about dealing with them. Last year, when the Cubs really began their sell-off, and they traded off their franchise cornerstones, they traded Baez, they traded Rizzo, they traded Bryant. The Brewers were reportedly in the market for those guys, and they were right. trying for them. I believe it was Bryant that so they were too. trying to get, and the Cubs just simply would not do it. The, the, the price, uh, I think they made it intentionally ridiculous on Bryant. You know, As much as the Brewers would have loved to have him and they were actually trying for him, they're not going to pay that, that kind of you know, tax and, and be, uh, you know, taken advantage of like that or uh, whatever it is, have the Cubs, what's the word I'm looking for? Price gouge them um, and just kind of jack it up on them specifically and have a different price for everyone else. The Brewers weren't going to pay that because they know what Bryant was actually going to be worth. It's like, look, this is what he's worth. This is what other teams would pay. This is what we'll pay. And the Cubs simply would not do it. The, The Brewers may even have had a better offer than whatever the, the Giants paid for him but the Cubs would not take that better offer from the Brewers because they don't want to see their franchise cornerstone being up in Milwaukee they just the the fans had the Cubs fans had had a hard enough time seeing all those guys get traded anyways but to trade one to the Brewers oh that'd be an unforgivable sin yep yeah absolutely um I'm sure they you know just loved it back in the early 2010s and granted this was more this was free agent not trade if i remember correctly when aramis ramirez came to oh, Milwaukee yeah. and yeah, was the Cubs, and they loved ramirez in chicago when he was there he was there for a long time 
And then he comes here, and it felt weird as a Brewers fan, by the way, to uh, yeah. have to cheer for a guy that I'd cheered against for so long. Um, but he sure did some good things for us in those couple years. Um, and so, like, maybe even remembering back to moments like that, it's like, okay, like, there's no way we allow this to happen again unless we get a whole hell of a lot out of it. Yeah, I mean, the Aramis Ramirez was a free agent. I mean, there wasn't much they could do there. But, yeah, to to intentionally trade a guy like Chris Bryant to the Brewers, even if they did overpay, mm-hmm. like, it, it was hard enough for the Cubs to sell everybody off. There's no way they could have done that to and send Bryant the, the 90 miles north. Um, and even though Patrick Wisdom and Ian Happ don't have that same kind of piece of Cubs lore, that Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo did, I still don't see them making that kind of a trade. I, I just don't see it happening. No, no. Like I said, like I, I don't. I wouldn't even bet that they trade us thirty-six-year-old David Robins, Robertson or however old he is. He's right around yeah. there. Um, without trying to price gouge just at least a little bit. So we'll we'll go ahead and look elsewhere. That's a, you yeah. guys do what you do down in Chicago and continue sucking. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, on the trade away, uh, on the sell parts here with the deadline, according to friend of the podcast and fans at its own, Robert Murray, once again, the Brewers are looking to trade Pedro Severino. Um, this really isn't that surprising a development. The Brewers have been operating with three catchers ever since Severino got activated from the suspended list from his PED suspension. Severino's ineligible for the postseason. He's playing like once a week, twice a week at most. Like that. Like, yeah. like it is, he does not play often. Um, and the Brewers are going with three catchers, and that's atypical to say the least. And the Brewers are going to be looking to, to move him. They're not going to keep three catchers for the remainder of the season. Severino's ineligible for the postseason. It just it just makes the most sense to move him. Try to get something back, even if it's just maybe they can only get cash consideration. Someone else takes the entirety of his salary. I, I don't know, but there's no way he's going to be sticking around into August. I, I don't think even if they don't trade him away, they have to dump him or, or something because they, they cannot operate with three catchers for the remainder of the season. Yeah, and to be honest, he hasn't actually even been that terrible in the six whole games he's played since he's... He's been active a month. Yeah, and he's played in six... Granted, there was an all-star break in the middle of that, but that's only a few days. Um, Six games. uh, He's six for 16. He's got a couple doubles in there. Um, You know, that's not too shabby. Um, But it's almost like they're showing him off just enough to show other teams, like, hey... This is a guy who, you know, you trade for him, he'll be fine. He'll do some stuff for you. He can provide some offense. Um, But they're clearly not playing him to the point of we think this guy is going to be a huge asset for him and we, for us, and we need to get him in lineups because of that, because they're just not doing that. So, yeah, I tend to agree. And whether it's cash considerations, whether it's a, you know, low level prospect from someone, you know, if, we could get that considering this is a guy we signed for what a million and a half or something like that yeah. in the off season. Um, he's, he's not making that much, so he's not going to command that much. 
Um, and teams are going to have their leverage when it comes to Severino. They're going to know that the Brewers, you know, have no intent likely on keeping him through the end of the season. So you do not have to offer much to get him if you're trying to get him at all. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, I I would, I've been kind of operating under the same assumption as you that he is very unlikely to last past the trade deadline for the Brewers. And what, if he brings anything back, great. Yeah. He might have a bit more value here than we're thinking. I mean, he was signed to a $1.9 million deal this offseason with the suspension. Uh, he did not get paid for that. So his prorated salary is less than a million dollars. But he does have another year of team control after this. He is arbitration eligible for next year. Um, so that does hold some value. Uh, I mean, for the Brewers, all you know, for the Brewers, because Omar Narvaez is going to be a free agent at the end of the year, but also to other teams. Um, you know, especially with Caratini having another year of control and Mario Feliciano, of course, waiting in the wings in AAA. I, I think Severino, I, I think he could be an intriguing piece just kind of going back in a regular deadline deal. Like, like say the Brewers go to get, um, I don't know, like like your Josh Bells or your Ramon Laureanos or uh, Brandon Drury or whatever. You could, you could trade Severino over to the Reds for Brandon Drury. Um, and that could be, you know, I don't think the Reds are trying to do a full rebuild unless they uh, and uh, they kind of are. They traded everybody <laughs> off this year. Um, but like, you know, he could be an interesting piece for them, you know, to kind of be a catcher for the next year and a half. Um, you know, maybe to Oakland, you know, they could use players. I don't know. Um, so like, like there's teams that you could send him to and they would love to have a catcher for the next year and a half. You know, even if he doesn't play much this year. Uh, I think that would hold some value. Maybe they can trade Severino, uh, who has that kind of value, instead of a minor league prospect who's a few years away from contributing. You can get a year and a half of essentially a solid MLB catcher, a, a guy who who you know is an MLB quality catcher for a year and a half. You could save one of your prospects and trade Severino instead. Yeah, that's true, uh, depending on, you know, the team that you're trading with and what their needs are. But I don't know, it's just that this is a guy who is, you know, he was non-tendered by Baltimore, you know, of the catchers they wanted to keep around uh, on the team until Adley was ready to go. He wasn't that one of them. Um, you know, he's like I said, he's making his 1.9 with the Brewers um, on that contract. It's just I don't know that he commands a lot as part of a package. Maybe. Yeah. That, that, that would make sense that, you know, maybe it's Severino and one prospect versus having to give up two. Um, I can see that working depending on who the team is, but uh, I'm just, we'll just say I'm not holding my breath that he's going to bring back some big return. Right. No, certainly not a big return, um, but perhaps something, you know, and, and that'd be, uh, that'd be nice to have, but we'll see. We'll see. As long as, as long as they don't trade Jackson Churio, that is, yeah, that's no all kidding. I care about. I am going to see Jackson Churio on Saturday yeah. here, heading up to the Timber Rattlers game on Saturday. If anyone else is going to be there, come by, say hi. I'll be the six foot eight dude um, yeah. sitting there. <laughs> I'll be pretty easy to spot. Oh. Six foot eight with a beard. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty. I, I stick out in a crowd a little bit. Um, yeah, I think I'll be wearing my Wisconsin Utter Tuggers shirt that day. That might be the plan, but 
we'll see. Um, yeah, so I am I am very excited to see Churio up there uh, in in high Wisconsin. And there's going to be some more uh, prospects coming into the farm system here, you know, even as guys get traded away at the trade deadline. we got new guys coming in because the draft just happened the other week, and we've got more signings coming through. Keep in mind, we do have our Brewers draft class and signing bonus tracker up on reviewingthebrewer.com. You can check that for all the latest uh, news on the guys that have signed, what their signing bonuses are, how much over or under slot they were. And we have several signings so far. Uh, the the first 10 rounds have all been signed. Uh, we don't know the bonuses for uh, rounds 5, 7, and 8. Still waiting on those numbers. Uh, waiting on some more numbers from day 3. But I think the Brewers are trying to figure out how much money they have and then trying to make a run uh, at a couple of these high school guys. But the big ticket was Jacob Mizorowski, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite picks in this draft, the six foot seven pitcher who throws 100 miles an hour. He got a $2.35 million signing bonus. He got $300,000 more than first round pick Eric Brown Jr., went 1.2 million over slot to sign Mizorowski. I mean, all these other picks, Brown and Moore and O'Ray and Wood and Wassner and all these guys under slots. Like, okay, they're making some savings uh, to make a run at some of these high school guys on day three, Jaden Newt, Brady Neal, Durangelo Sainja, the switch hitting, switch pitching two-way player. But they spend pretty much all that slot savings on second rounder Jacob Mizorowski. Yeah, and you know what? If you're going to uh, throw money at someone, that's a guy that makes a lot of sense. Uh, That's a guy that a lot of those draft analysts were saying was uh, the most impressive pitcher at the draft combine. So that says quite a lot. Um, And as you note in the draft tracker, went to the same school as Aaron Ashby, um, was a big uh, strikeout guy from that school like Aaron Ashby, and clearly going and getting him has worked out pretty well for the Brewers. So um, it, it's interesting in that, you know, he his draft ratings, if you look at the, you know, top 250 or top 100 or, you know, all these rankings that a lot of uh, sites put out, he, he was, they reached, quote unquote, to get him in terms of that. But it's hard to underestimate what trying to sign someone out of their college commitment is worth. And he was committed to LSU, one of the better um, baseball programs that there are. I've got my LSU shirt on actually right now, randomly, nice. that I own um, because my wife is from uh, Louisiana. So got to nice. a bit. Um, Do you listen to Garth Brooks' uh, Colin Baton Rouge? I, I, love, I have karaoke that song before. Hell yeah. A little top of the range, but, but I thought I did well. Anyway. Um, yeah, so it, it, it takes some money to, you know, uh, convince a guy to not go to, you know, a school like that. And so the Brewers paid for it, and it should be one with the Brewers Pitching Development Program, one that should work out well for them. I'm really exciting, excited to see what ends up, whether he's a starter, whether he's a reliever, whatever he ends up doing, um, it should be impactful. 
just as an aside here, speaking of the Brewers farm system, Garrett Mitchell just hit a 411-foot go-ahead home run. Ooh, all right. The power is showing up for Garrett Mitchell. So that is a welcome development here on the Brewers farm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Mizorowski, yeah, that's a great talent if you're going to throw the money at him. Um, a, you know, apparently scouts across the league were much higher on him than the media guys were than MLB Pipeline or Baseball America. Uh, the actual scouts and organizations were much higher on him because, I mean, for the love of God, he's six foot seven and throws 100 miles an hour. Yeah. How could you not be? Um, so the Brewers had to make the, the big offer to him in order to get him down the board enough to to take him in the second round. And so that's kind of where, where their money went. And Mizrowski is one of three LSU recruits the Brewers drafted. Uh, it was him, Brady Neal, and Jaden Newt in the later rounds. And with all the money going to Mizrowski, there is not going to be enough to sign Neal or Newt. Uh, it was already announced that Ethan Leger, the 16th round pick, is going to be heading to college, heading to Ole Miss. Uh, so another late day three pick uh, that is not going to sign. They have signed 14th and 15th rounders, Aiden Maldonado and Satchel Norman. And we're waiting on word on the high schoolers in the 12th and 13th round, Luke Adams and Zane Petty. Uh, I think they got a pretty good chance of landing Luke Adams. Uh, you know, they took him in the 12th round. They probably feel pretty confident they can get him. Um, so that's something that's really kind of uh, – I mean, I think they're going to get at least one of these high schoolers. Um, you know, they, they may not go too many. They, the Brewers do love their college guys. They got a high schooler in Delano Ray in the third round for just barely under slot. But I think they're going to get one more here on day three, and it's probably going to be Adams or Petty. Yeah, I would think so. Um, I I think in your last update, are are we still right around 240 over slot? Um, We we are – one second. I believe we're slightly under that now because we do have some more signings that, that have been in there. Um, thought I had it saved in my calculator here, but I think it might yeah. have uh, it's been gone. Right around that area. Um, and you know that you know some of these guys, uh, other guys won't end up signing, so you have to imagine that that's I don't know, hundred ish thousand per person. Am I in the ballpark um, with the... Yeah, probably around, maybe a little bit lower for some... I mean, Ben Metzger was a senior sign. I mean, it might be around 100000 maybe a little bit yeah. less. Um, so, so you've got about, you know, that amount, give or take, per person of the guys you don't sign that then becomes available. Um, and then I believe you're able to go as a total, like a certain percent over your, you know, total... 5%. Five percent over your total slot value, so they could be. They could go three hundred and fifty-three thousand and five hundred forty-five dollars over their slot pool. Got it. Uh, so yeah. they can spend a grand total of seven point or seven million four hundred twenty-four thousand four hundred forty-five dollars uh, on their slots. Yeah. So there's there's definitely still the possibility. There's very much the possibility that they can get one of these um, high school guys still coming. I love the sound of Luke Adams. Corner infielder, big dude, power dude. Uh, if that's the guy they end up being able to convince to come, um, I'm good. That that's I'd, I'd be I'd be down with that for sure. 
Um, but we'll see. Uh, it's what's the deadline again for signing? August first. August first is the deadline for signing draft picks. August second is the trade deadline. So that's a very busy couple of days. Uh, finally, doing the calculations here, the Brewers are currently one hundred thirty-seven thousand nine hundred dollars okay. over slot uh, at the moment with uh, some more picks uh, and signing bonuses announced today. So we'll again keep that updated as we head towards the signing deadline. All the top 10 rounds are are signed. We have not seen the bonuses for all of them yet. Uh, Cameron Wagner, 11th round, has announced he will sign. Um, they have announced uh, that Aiden Maldonado has signed. We don't know the amount yet. Um, and then I would expect 20th rounder Noah Hall to sign as well. Um, but we have not seen anything there either. So we shall see. But, yeah, very interesting draft this year day three they definitely picked some guys knowing that they weren't going to be able to sign all of them the brewers do have a pretty loaded minor league system and only so many spots to mm -hmm. put uh to sign guys too that like they have a maximum number of minor league prospects they can have uh if they go you know over they have to release somebody um so with these guys coming in they probably knew they didn't have 21 spots for all these guys so take a chance just talk to some high school kids and you know, some of them, you, you just kind of know ahead of time that they're, they're not going to sign with you. Sorry, I just <laughs> I just saw it, uh, Garrett Mitchell's home run that you referenced earlier. And holy smokes, did that go deep to center field? I um, know. <laughs> um, and by the way, um, as another aside, um, Luis Perdomo is currently making his sixth relief uh, or rehab appearance uh he walked the first batter that came up so um but it has gone rel for the most part pretty well for him i i don't think it's too long before we see him uh back in milwaukee to be honest so i'm getting some of those guys healthy again so anyway um but back to the signings um yeah it's we're talking the first is monday so um by monday we will know who all will be coming into the brewers minor league system and and kind of you know um, I can't remember if it was here we talked about it or if it was um, with the fellows up in Green Bay the other day. Um, but kind of like you said, like, yes, there's only so many spots for these draftees. There are, I'm sure there's guys in the system who the Brewers, you know, realize that they'd be able to release if they, you know, had a draftee for that position who's potentially more talented. And, you know, those are the types of things that happen around this time. Um, so that potentially happens as well. But um We'll we'll see. There 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 will be a few guys still putting uh, pen to paper here in these next few days. Yeah, it is uh, going to be interesting to watch. That's going on at the exact same time as the trade deadline. So uh, going to be a divide and conquer in the Brewers front office for for those two days. Stearns is going to be like, I am too busy to deal with this kind of shit today, guys. Todd Johnson, you better figure it out. But <laughs> that's, you handle that. I'll deal with my thing over here. Um, we are just about out of time here. This, I mean, we could, we can go on for a lot longer here. Talking trade deadline, talking prospects, talking the draft. Um, but we are going to save it for next time with a big blowout 100th episode next week. Yeah. It is going to be fun. It's going to be a great time. 100 episodes. We have made it, uh, just about to that. This is episode 99 of the cold brew pod if you're one of the few who have been here from the very beginning thank you so much for listening to us and listening to us ramble and talk 
talk baseball and uh, whatever else and all the other fun times we've had along the way uh, over these almost two years now. Um, it's been it's been so much fun. It's been great to be able to bring this content uh, to you guys every single week. Uh, and we'd like to just thank you for listening. Thank you for for reading the site, reading, reviewing the brew uh, and everything like that. We truly appreciate all of it. Yeah, it just I mean, to to have people reach out, you know, either, you know, through the podcast link or through the website or, you know, talk about, you know, who have left reviews and um, just mentioned that they appreciate listening. Um, You have no idea how much, you know, we appreciate it here. All we want to do is, you know, have fun talking about the brewers and hopefully just bring some content that you all enjoy listening to. Um, we, as you can tell, we try not to take ourselves too seriously, and we really hope that that creates kind of an environment on this podcast that makes it enjoyable to listen to. If you've been here since the beginning, it must be at least somewhat enjoyable. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for continuing to listen. Um, and 100 isn't the end. Uh, that just means we have to work our way to 200. So uh, Hell yeah. It'll be it'll be a fun episode next week though that's for sure. Absolutely going to be a great time. We're going to have the the reaction and fallout to the trade deadline. Lots of fun stuff. Maybe sharing some stories. Who knows? But either way, we're going to have a good time uh, as we always do. So once again, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time for our 100th episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. See you then.